Hey everybody, welcome back to the Soto Mojo Podcast. I am Colby Patnode and I'm joined as always by Ty Gonzalez. Ty, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. I am uh, going to be at the ballpark tomorrow, so I'm pretty excited about that. Going to see my, uh, my first uh, MLB action of the year. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to be the Blue Jays and the Orioles, but uh, going to have so pretty good it, seats. Is it so. really MLB action then? I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, Pilar's gone. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of like the one exciting thing about the the Blue Jays is whenever a ball's hit out to center field, and now there's not even that. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be pretty gross. But uh, I'm gonna see our uh, our old friend Nate Carnes. He's gonna be pitching for the for the Orioles tomorrow. So, yay! <laughs> wow. Also get to see old friend Justin Smoke. Yeah, quite, yeah. quite the Mariners power tr- duo right there. Yeah, yeah, the two two uh, great legends of, uh, <laughs> of Mariners lore. <clears throat> sure, let's call it that. Uh, yeah. So, so I think on today's show, guys, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, Felix Hernandez start last night. We are recording on a Tuesday. You might be listening to this on Wednesday. Not one hundred percent sure yet. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about Felix Hernandez's start from last night. If you guys are looking for a reaction to the uh, Boston Red Sox series, you need to go listen to yesterday's podcast. We've moved to a three-a-week format. Um, this is our middle-of-the-week show, which is focused much more on big picture, um, <clears throat> whereas the day-in, day-out stuff will be discussed on uh, either side of our uh, either side of this uh, midweek podcast. On Mondays or Sunday afternoon, we'll talk about the series that just happened and we'll preview the one coming up. And then on Thursdays or Friday afternoon, we will talk about the upcoming series and the one that just wrapped up earlier in the week. So just kind of book in the, uh, the week with the talk about the series. But on this podcast, we're still talking big picture. So uh, we're going to, fo- we're going to talk a little bit about Felix's start, but then we're also going to kick around the idea of Craig Kimbrell. Does he make sense to the, for the Mariners? And then we're going to talk about why the Mariners seem to hate Daniel Vogelbach. So let's start with a positive. Let's start with Felix Hernandez last night. Or was it a positive? What What did you think, Ty? You watched the game. What do you think of his performance last night? Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was I thought it was fine. Um, you know, he's he's the fifth starter in the rotation, and he performed like a, you know, um, an okay fifth starter. Uh, I thought, um, you know, he he didn't try to uh, to force his his uh you know his four seamer and his and his um change up as much as he did in spring i thought that was kind of a good sign he relied more on the breaking ball and the two seamer um but still it's i don't know he he didn't look as great as you know some some are making him out to be uh, i think like the seattle times like their headline for the for the uh for the game was um for their recap was that it was like a turn back the clock game for him. He, you know, <laughs> he gave up a lot of hard contact. Uh, he only produced four swinging strikes out of his 92 pitches. You know, those, uh, those numbers, they're, they're not going to play, um, but it was okay. Um, obviously, you know, the, there were the errors in the, in the, what was it? The fourth inning, mm-hmm. the third or fourth inning. And then, um, you know, but he was giving up a lot of hard contact um and even though that he he was just uh uh given the one earned run out of the out of the three 
he's he was still uh, very much responsible for those runs i i felt um but man that throw from malik smith was god awful uh <laughs> both of the uh, both of those throws honestly jeez yeah i i don't know if malik's is still just you know maybe the elbow still bothering him or something yeah um yeah. Well, when he came over, I remember people saying he had a, a league average arm. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, so yeah, um, yeah. Maybe that's just his. Uh, he's just working his way back, but yeah, that was not a good throw at all. Yeah. So I, I, you know, as for Felix, it was fine. Um, you know, I obviously the Angels outside of Mike Trout, their lineup is pretty. It's below average to be generous. <laughs> really mm-hmm. and uh you know i thought he handled it just as he should have and um and i guess that's all you can ask for so it went better than i expected you know yesterday when we were recording i said you know i expected probably like three to four innings out of him he was gonna get shelled um i thought he got through the first inning uh pretty much fine he looked okay and uh, second inning was about okay, but then he started giving up, you know, more uh, hard contact, and then it kind of just went downhill from there. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I thought he was fine. Um, I gave him a B last night. Uh, mm-hmm. There was certainly some positives. Uh, the curveball in particular that he struck out Anderton Simmons on, uh, that was really impressive. Uh, yeah, Simmons is not the easiest guy in the world to strike out. Uh, it was a nasty pitch. Uh, it made him look really foolish. So that was that was probably like the lasting memory for me. But yeah, I think people are <clears throat> trying to make Felix into something he's not. Uh, Luke Ar- Luke Arkins, a prospect insider, put it pretty much perfectly last night when he said that um, he thought Felix looked like a number five starter against a bad lineup. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I think that's really all you can expect from Felix this year. Um, you know, when he's facing a premier lineup, he's probably going to get knocked around quite a bit. Um, he can, but he can still compete and keep you in ball games against mediocre to bad lineups. I think that's pretty much a fair expectation for him this year. Um, <clears throat> you know, 91 pitches he got through. What was it five and a third? Did he get through six? Um, um pretty sure it was just five and a third. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was okay. Like like you mentioned, the airs is giving him an, an out basically. But Pujols torched that double off of him. Uh, Lou Croy had that smash right back up the middle. I don't remember who the other hit was off the top of my head. Do you? Um, um, it was another screaming line drive right up the middle. Uh, so yeah, like you I want to say it was someone like Tommy Lastella or something like that. Somebody like that, some scrub. So <laughs> yeah, it just. I don't know. I'm not going to get too crazy about it. It was it was uh, David Fletcher. Oh, okay. Fletcher's a decent player. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just I didn't see anything too fantastic. Like you said, 91 pitches and only four uh, swings and misses. Uh, that's that's not good. Um, but yeah, the fastball velocity was up slightly. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought I thought it was okay. Um, I'm not going to uh, buy into this at all for at least you know six, seven, eight starts. 
So we'll see how he does next time out. I believe he'll get. Uh, no, is it Houston? Um, no, he'll he'll get a start against the Royals. Okay, well, <laughs> two pretty easy landing spots. So uh, good for him. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> we'll see how all that goes. But like I said, I thought he was just okay. Um, but okay is going to be about as good as you can expect from him this year. So that's why people yeah. are excited. He he probably uh, now that I think about it, he probably will get a start against the Astros as well. Though that'll probably be his third start. So yeah, that'll that'll <laughs> be the test right there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I will give uh, Felix credit. He didn't, uh, you know, after he faced a little bit of adversity in spring training, he just stopped. Like remember, we all remember how he looked good his first outing, but then that bunt that he thought was foul went yeah. fair, and then everything just unraveled after that. Uh, we saw it all spring. Uh, the one, one little thing goes wrong, and he just shut it down. And uh, last night he had plenty of reason to uh, fall back into that trap. The four errors against him, uh, <laughs> I mean, for them. So that's not it's not great. But he 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 got it through it. He pitched through it. Um, so I'll give him credit for that. But like I said, overall, based on grading for a number five starter, I give Felix a B. Based on Felix in general, I would give that like a C minus. Um, mm-hmm. I thought he was just okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, of course, uh, of course, the Mariners are uh, six and one. I should mention that every opportunity we get, the Mariners are six and one. So uh, <laughs> let's let's go ahead and let's jump ahead to. Um, a newfound, I don't want to call them expectations, but, uh, Mariner fans are suddenly thinking that they're a closer away from being a, con- a contender. And that has <laughs> sprung up some kind of, uh, crazy conversation about, you know, they should go out and they should sign Craig Kimbrell, who's still unsigned. Um, they should go give him a one-year deal. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And if you're a fan of the, Craig Kimbrell idea. I don't think you're going to like this discussion, but uh, Ty, should the Mariners sign Craig Kimbrell? Okay, let me let me put it this way: it's seven games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I hmm, okay. I I understand the sentiment of of this discussion. I I get. I get where some people are coming from on this that, you know, potentially you could sign him and trade him in July and get more than you would or, and get more value than you would from the third round pick that you lose for signing right. him. Just, yeah, just so you guys are aware, uh, Kimbrell received a qualifying offer, which means if he signs before the draft, uh, the signing team has to forfeit a draft pick based on um, how much they spent the year before and based on how much the contract is that entire formula equals out to the Mariners surrendering their third highest pick, which would be that compensatory pick they got in the uh, Edwin Diaz, Carlos Santana trade, which would be 77 overall. So that's what we're talking about there. Right. Um, Edw- uh, you mean Edwin Encarnacion? <laughs> what Diaz. Oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Encarnacion <laughs> for Santana. Yeah. Or Santana for Encarnacion. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, so I I understand that. That's a fair point. But the thing there is, you know, is Kimbrell really going to want to come to a team for you know, that he knows he's going to get traded from in three months? And why do so, especially if if the weeks continue to go by and he remains unsigned? Teams aren't going to want to sign him until after the draft. Mm-hmm. At that point, because you know, it, let's say that it, that this goes on into May, Craig Kimball isn't going to sign with anyone in May. No one's going to be willing to do that. They're just going to wait him out for another month. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so I, I get, you know, the 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 Mariners have a clear need for a closer now that Strickland is is out. But again, it's been seven games. This is not their year. They have already said that this is not their year. These seven games have not changed that. They have been incredibly lucky to be six and one. And let's not get that misconstrued here. <laughs> so they are not a closer away from being this otherworldly team that's suddenly going to compete for the American League West. They will regress. You know, pretty much their entire offense is playing at an extraordinary rate. And if you oh my god yeah <laughs> it's just i i can't even believe that i'm having this discussion one week into the season it's right it's so it's so ridiculous it's again yes they're six and one they're playing great they're playing great ball a lot of it has been luck and and that and even despite the record and everything that shouldn't change the whole purpose of the season and the purpose of the season is not about wins and losses and all that it's about the development of the youth and the Mariners system and at the major league level. And also, you know, these veterans performing at a high level so you can trade them. And guess what? A lot of them are performing at a high level. And guess what the Mariners are probably going to do if they keep on playing like that? They are going to trade them. Tim Beckham. If Tim Beckham is like, is still good for the next like three months. Tim Beckham is getting traded. <laughs> Tim Beckham is not getting an extension. He's not staying. Like there will be a team that will want Tim Beckham that uh, that is actually close to contending in the playoffs. Like the, the Mariners are going to hold on to to Jay Bruce for the sake of well, maybe we'll get into the playoffs, and therefore they're not going to go after someone like Craig Kimbrell. It just it's not worth it. And Kimbrell is not going to be interested in coming to a team that he knows he's going to be traded from. And what's the point? And other teams, they're not they're not going to be willing to give up that pick, especially if the weeks keep on going. Right. So I think the arguments for um, from some Mariner fans is uh, <sighs> basically we should try to extract as many wins as possible from this roster. Uh, Kimbrell is a good value right now because he's probably looking at a one-year deal. And Uh the idea that you can trade him in July for something that is worth more than the 77th overall pick. Um, So, yeah, just kind of go down the list there. Um, Kimbrell is a good value. I don't know. You're probably still looking at $10 million minimum on a one-year deal. Um to go from 78 to 82 wins, maybe like, mm-hmm. is it worth $10 million to do that? 
you're not making the playoffs for those $10 million. One of those $10 million is money that you can eat, that you can add to, I don't know, Encarnacion to actually get like a B-level prospect. So the $10 million is, I mean, the good deal, good value, like in theory, he's a good value for like the Milwaukee Brewers. He's a good mm. value for the Atlanta Braves. But for the Mariners, not really. The $10 million could come in handy much later. And like, it's not going to put you over the top. So it's not, it's just not worth spending that money on. Um, right. So the idea that uh, the Mariners should try to extract every win they can out of this. Why? Again, what is the difference long-term between 78 and 81 wins? Nothing. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Um, like I said, there, if it was between 85 wins and 88 wins, that's worth something. Cause now you're talking about a potential wild card spot right now. It's not worth that. Um, the other thing is the, uh, the idea that you can trade him for more than you can get, uh, with that draft pick that's being said because the, I mean, the people who are saying that they're not studying the draft. Um, because again, hypothetically that this year's draft, that 77th pick 76th pick, pick, whatever it is, that player, if the Mariners continue a normal draft trend where they just take best player available, yada, yada, they don't try to manipulate any kind of, uh, you know, cap or, uh, draft capital or anything like that. They don't try to manipulate that. That player probably is going to slide into either the back half of the Mariners top 10 rankings or yeah. in the top 15, certainly. Like that's the kind of talent we're talking about. Um, right. Is a team going to give you that prospect for three months of Craig Kimbrell, two months of Craig Kimbrell? Maybe, but that's the ceiling, right? Well, I... I don't know. I, I think with how you've seen teams overpay for relievers over the last couple of years, it's plausible that they could get a package that is well worth more than their third round pick. Relievers with control. This is a yeah. this is a rental. Andrew True. Miller had control. Roldis Chapman didn't, but that was a Roldis Chapman. You're not getting Claver Torres for for 32 year old Craig Kimbrell, who right. while still good is still is certainly showing signs of a decline. Uh, mm. Otherwise, he'd probably be back with Boston. So, again, you're not going to get you're not going to get Glaber Torres. You're not going to get Clint Frazier. You're not. It's just so highly unlikely that is it worth the risk? No. Do you think though that a team could sign Kimbrel for one year plus a club option for 2020? I mean, if you're if you're Kimbrel, why would you take a club option? You want to get back on the market next year, I would imagine. You screwed up this year. You told teams you wanted six years. Remember the early rumors that he was looking for a hundred million dollars? Right. You you screwed up this year. You want to get a second bite at the apple as soon as you can. So if I'm Kimbrell, I'm not touching an option. Maybe a mutual option with a decent buyout, maybe, but why well, I've just I know I'm well, for, I know. for me I look I for me I look at Kimbrell and um most relievers, you know, considering how, you know, when you look at last year, the guys that sign that didn't sign until spring training started or the season started, you know, all those guys struggled. Does Kimbrel foresee that he will struggle this year because he's been out of baseball? Is you know that, and would he prefer the security of at least, you know, at least getting ten million plus next year with the club or with a club option or a player option? You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I get that, but yeah, hey, why why would the Mariners want to commit ten million dollars next year to their closer? Yeah, exactly. And also, why would Craig Kimbrell want to be have no control over where he's going for the next two years and be on a team that has already said, yeah, the next two years eh, we'll see what happens, but we're not building for those two years. Mm-hmm. You see, Kimbrell is going to have better options certainly options that are better fits for him right. than Seattle. If he signs with Seattle, then he is at their mercy wherever they decide to trade him. Right. Whereas he just waits it out. He can sign wherever he wants, whoever wants him. And right now it sounds like Atlanta and Milwaukee are kind of the two teams that are monitoring that situation. Mm-hmm. Those are much better fits for Kimbrell than Seattle is. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Especially doesn't make a lot of sense for Kimbrell. Um, and for the yeah. Mariners, you're giving up assets, you're giving up a draft pick, you're giving up money. Yeah. And by the way, that that money that you're giving up includes the draft bonus slot, where all of a sudden you don't have the extra pick, which means your draft bonus pool, the money that you can use to entice players not to go to college and sign with you, that takes a, that takes a pretty significant hit with the 76 pick. So it just doesn't make a lot of sense to do this. If the Mariners are going to surprise people and compete, it's going to be with what they have on hand or what Jerry DePoto can get for practically nothing like this reliever that they picked up yesterday. Um, right. Connor Sadzik. Sad. Yeah. I think it should be said um, as well that, you know, because I assume that not a lot of people saw uh, Jerry DePoto's little interview thing at, at FanFest, you know, where they interact with the fans and fans ask questions and all that. Someone asked him about Kimbrel and Keichel as well. And he told them, yeah, that's not a fit for us. That's not you know what we're interested in doing. That thought process likely hasn't changed over the course of this week. Um, so the Mariners have, have said publicly that they're not interested in doing this. So I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't put my expectations very high that, that they're even going to talk with Craig Kimbrell. Right. We're less than 5% through the season. Nobody yeah. should be changing their mind based off of that. So Kimbrel is just not going to happen. Uh, Seattle's pretty clearly not interested in Kimbrel, and honestly, Kimbrel probably wouldn't be that interested in Seattle. So it's just it's not it's not a fit. It's not a fit, and this is a bad time for it. Maybe if this was 2020, next year or 2021, um, but this year it just it doesn't make sense. So um, Craig Kimbrel is not coming to Seattle. Uh, and the Mariners are smart for not even pursuing that. So yeah. now they could look at the free agent market and look at someone like uh, AJ Ramos, who I, I believe is still out there. Is yeah. he? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, they could do something like that. If, if really this, if they continue to win and, um, you know, they truly, you know, desperately need a closer, uh, they can get someone for cheap like AJ Ramos, you know, someone that has experience doing that. Probably isn't, you know, an, an excellent uh, fit, but, you know, someone that comes cheap and, and can get you a couple saves here and there. Right. You you can build a bullpen midseason if you really yeah. needed to. We've seen yeah, a, lot, I mean, look, a lot of teams do it. Yeah. Look at well, look at what the Mariners did in 2016 when they got Caminero and mm-hmm. uh, Vendetti. You know, um, when Jerry brought in Caminero, Caminero was fantastic in like his first week with the team. And the bullpen suddenly kind of looked remade. You know, they they brought up Edwin, and yeah. Edwin was fantastic. 
and um, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. I, I remember there were some other uh, relievers that really uh, that really changed the the makeup of that bullpen, which was awful up to that point. I'm I'm not sure if you remember, but it was terrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Depoto changed that in a matter of a like a month. Uh, it just happens. Uh, and bullpens again relievers are so interchangeable and and so really expendable because even the best bullpens on paper are not are never a guarantee even a bullpen like the yankees who have zach Britton and and uh and araldis chapman and all those even then i don't feel 100 confident in that bullpen group that may be the bullpen group that i feel most confident in Right. But still, it's just relievers, they come and go. It just, it happens. That's why I, I, I look at these teams that trade star, you know, top prospects, like, you know, for like trading Glaber Torres for Araldis Chapman. I get it, but it's not, I mean, you just gave up Glaber Torres, who's amazing. Yeah. You're quite fortunate you won the World Series that year. Otherwise, that trade's a disaster. Um, yeah. yeah. And, by the way, it is worth mentioning that, uh, you know, reinforcements are on the way. It sounds like Anthony Swarzak could get activated as soon as today. He's got some closing experience. You're going to get Sam Tuivalala back in June. Um, you have Altavilla and Alan East down on the farm, uh, down in AAA. They're just a phone call away. Uh, you also have a pretty deep well of g- good, exciting arms in the high minors, you have Art Warren, you have Wyatt Mills, you have Darren Gillies, you have options. So there are reinforcements on the way, um, potentially as soon as today, um, in the form of Anthony Swarzak. So, yeah, the, the Mariners can add from within to strengthen their bullpen. Um, they don't need to go outside, at least not right now. They don't need to go outside the organization to try and find stability in the back end of their bullpen. They'll be just fine. So... All right, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about Daniel Vogelbach now. Uh, the Mariners are six and one, and yet Daniel Vogelbach has one start uh, this season, six total plate appearances, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, seven total plate appearances. Um, so all us off season, we heard uh, Scott Service and Jerry Depoto say. We need to find an opportunity to give Vogel back at bats. He's done everything. He's proven everything he can at the minor league system. We need to see if he can play in the major league system in the major league. Uh, and so far, like you said, seven games in, he's gotten one start and one pitch hitting oppor- two pinch hitting opportunities. So, not exactly a. Uh, not exactly a commitment to get him playing time. So, Ty, I guess I'll just ask you this. What are the Mariners doing with Daniel Vogelbach? I really don't understand it. Um, you know, I, I, I get that they're trying to give ample playing time to Encarnacion and Jay Bruce and all that, but at some point you have to give Vogelbach some playing time, especially over Bruce. Um, I know Bruce has hit the three home runs and the three shake games and everything, but other than that, he's been pretty much atrocious. Um, especially with runners in scoring position, he's been awful. Um, 
I mean, you know, you you look at his career. He has a career of 153 plate appearances, and you know, we you put up those those comparisons, which you know, for for people that were disagreeing with those comparisons, that wasn't to compare Mike Trout to Daniel Vogelback. It's just to say, hey. These players are pretty great, but look what they did in their first 153 plate appearances. It's not in any way to <laughs> to compare the those two players. It's just to compare this, you know, <laughs> just those numbers. It's just to show that even the best in the world right now may have struggled less than 200 plate appearances in their big league career. That's yeah. all it is. Like I said, obviously, yeah. Daniel Vogelback doesn't play defense and run the bases. If you're the moron who tweeted me that, just know that I muted you, so you should probably stop listening to the podcast now. Uh, I'm not. I'm not comparing Daniel Vogelbach to Mike Trout. I'm just yeah. letting you guys know that good players can struggle at the big league level, uh, particularly early in their career, and we've seen it from the very best in the world. So that's all yeah. those tweets were about. But anyways, and so and so the 153 plate appearances, right? Like you know, I can understand maybe if. Those 153 plate appearances occurred during one season that, you know, well, he's gotten, you know, a decent sample size, which still really isn't a decent sample size when you really think about it. But he's had 153 plate plate appearances over the course of three seasons. Mm -hmm. Plus, you know, whatever little he's had this year. Right. Right. So, you know, technically it's 146 plate appearances over the over the last three years plus the seven this year and (laughs) that's not that's not anywhere near the amount of time that he needs and no hitter will ever get into rhythm when they're only playing once every fifth or sixth day Mm -hmm. it's just i really don't get it you know yesterday you know i applauded the mariners for how well they've handled most situations this year this is the one issue this is the one problem that they're that they're handling poorly and i really don't understand it i know there's a bit of a log jam and they're and they're trying to field what they feel is the most competitive team that they can but again this year is not about that this year is about developing your young talent and daniel vogelback is one is included in that group and this is his last chance to do that yep he's out of options and i honestly fear at this point that they're just going to end up dfa in him at some point i i really am starting to feel concerned that they're going to do that without giving him any opportunity yeah it's um by the way one more comparison for you uh in mitch hanniger's first 123 plate appearances he slashed 229 309 404 i don't know what jerry depoto possibly saw in him uh, but now he's an all-star and uh, the 11th highest, uh, he placed 11th in the MVP voting last year. I good thing. Jerry doesn't put stock into 150 plate appearances. It's just, it's, it's total BS. Um, and the idea that, well, you have to play Bruce and Encarnacion to get their trade value up. That's true. Um, but you don't have to play them every single day. In fact, I can get you. Dan- I can get four starts for Daniel Vogelbach right now per week, um, without taking any anybody out of the lineup more than one day a week. It's mm-hmm. pretty simple. It really is that simple. One day, 
Vogelbach is going to play first base for Bruce. Bruce is going to sit. The next day, he'll play DH for Encarnacion. Encarnacion will sit. Then Vogelbach will go play first base. You'll move Bruce out to left field. And then Domingo Santana sits for a day. You move Bruce out to right field. You move Mitch Haniger to center field. Malik Smith sits out for a day. Daniel Vogelbach either DHs or plays first base with Edwin Encarnacion. I just found you sixteen. I just found you fifteen to twenty plate appearances per week, without sac- with sacrificing one game a week from three guys, two guys who certainly do not have a future here long term, and one in Domingo Santana who may or may not. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that really that big of a sacrifice to make to find out if Daniel Vogelbach can hit big league pitching? No, it's not. So, um, I I don't know what exactly they're doing um, because he has nothing left to prove. We know he can hit with power. We've seen it in flashes at the major league level. We've seen it with, uh, we've seen it consistently at the minor league level. Yep. We know he can take walks. He's been on base. Uh, he's gotten what? Seven plate appearances this year. 429 on base percentage. I mean, which honestly falls in line with with what he's done at uh, at the AAA level. He had a 434 on base percentage last year. Yeah, it's just which is po- insane, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just the idea that this 26 year old. By the way, he'll be 26 all year. He doesn't turn 27 until September, late September. Um, I'm sorry, uh, December. So he'll be 26 all year long. And just the idea that this guy can't play because you've watched him in a hundred and some odd plate appearances. It's asinine. It is complete BS. And it's just funny how some people will pick and choose the player that they say, Oh, this guy deserves another shot. This guy doesn't, this guy sucks after 153, this guy, well, you know, maybe he'll be, maybe you just got to give him the right, you know, it's just, it's total and complete BS. There is no reason whatsoever that Daniel Vogelbach should not be in the lineup four to five times a week. None. Mm -hmm. And giving him these pinch hitting opportunities against other teams' closers, that's not going to tell you anything. There is no way you can tell. If you only hit, if your only at-bats at the big league level came against the Blake Trinan and the Lou Trevinos and the Edwin Diaz and the Craig Kimbrels of the world, how good do you think that person's going to be? Yeah. I just it's insane. By the way, um I'm looking it up right now. Daniel Vogelbach has twenty six plate appearances as a pinch hitter out of his one hundred and fifty three. Okay. So we're talking about what one sixth of his at bats in the, at the big league level have come as a pinch hitter. Yeah. And you're and you're just gonna you're just going to say that he can't play. What are it's, his numbers for uh for those Pinch hitting attempts. Um, let's see. Pinch hitting as a substitute hitter, he is 217, 308, 391. So actually, he's done pretty good in those opportunities. Um, you know, not great, but those are decent numbers as a pinch hitter. Um, it's just you have to let this, you have to see if this guy can play or not. Um, and it's not even, well, he's just going to be a DH only or something like that. A, what if he is B, what if he hits 300 with 30 home runs? You don't care if he's just a DH. 
And even if you feel like, okay, well, White's going to be the first baseman of the future, we're going to need that DH spot fill, you can now trade Vogelbach for something of value. Somebody will take Vogelbach if he can hit. So this, you have to play Encarnacion and Bruce to get their trade value up. You have to play Daniel Vogelbach to do the same. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a wasted asset. And if you're not going to use him, then you should DFA him. You should see if anybody wants to give him that shot. Because all you're doing is using a roster spot on somebody who can't play defense and can't run. If you're not going to give him consistent at-bats, he's worthless to you. So start yeah. giving him the at-bats or let him go. It just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to have him on your bench. All you're doing... And by the way, I see some people say, well, they're just going to hold him until, you know, Vogel, until uh, Encarnacion or Bruce gets traded, and then he'll play. Well, what about when Kyle Seeger comes back? You're going to bench Ryan Healy? Maybe. Probably not. You could send Healy down, but if he's hitting anywhere close to this, you're not going to. Yeah. What do you, well, we'll just wait till we trade both of them. Okay, so you're going to have Daniel Vogelbach sit on the bench, basically, for four months and then you're going to give him 200 plate appearances and judge him off of that. I, it just it doesn't make sense. You can, you have to give this guy consistent playing time so that he can have his ups and his downs. And so that when you look at the end of the year and he's got 450 pretty consistent plate appearances, you can say, okay, let's judge this now. Does he make sense? And if he doesn't, you move on. Daniel Vogelbach does not have to be a part of the future, but the Mariners have to do a better job of finding out whether or not he is. And right now, they're not. They're not doing anything. And I dislike all you people who are making me argue this side because it makes it really hard to make fun of Colton, one of our writers, (laughs) who loves Daniel Vogelbach. And now I have to side with him because some people are being stupid. So thank you very much, (laughs) stupid people. I I just – I don't don't get it. Get the man in the lineup, period. Look at – Look, if Jack Sorensic was still the general manager, Daniel Vogelback would be le- hitting leadoff every night. <laughs> sure would. By, yeah. by the way, we uh, we have a bit of breaking news on the podcast uh, just now. Uh, the Mariners okay. officially reinstate Anthony Swarzak from the 10-day injured list uh, to make room on the 25-man roster. They have sent down David McKay, the $1 man, uh, before he has a chance to make his big league debut. He will head to AAA Tacoma. Um, and he will most certainly be back at some point this year. Um, Swarzak uh, definitely has, I would say, the inside track to become the new closer. I don't think you'll see it right away. I think they will try to ease him in. Uh, but in a couple of weeks, I would not be surprised if Swarzak is just the designated closer. Um, I don't know, man. It might be Brennan Brennan. Yeah, there's I would the, not. They're, they're slowly starting to use him later in games. Yeah, they gave him the uh, the eighth inning Yep. last night. They trusted him against the middle. Well, I don't know if they trusted him, but they gave him the ball against the middle of the Red Sox order. And, you know, 95, 95 with movement and that changeup, that's going to play. You can get a lot yep. of guys out with that. So um, we'll see how they feel about handing that role over to such a young pitcher. Um, they didn't have a problem doing it with Diaz, but they even then they – did ease him in. He wasn't the closer right away. Um, but yeah, I just I think there's a decent chance that Swarzak um, ends up leading the league in saves, or not the league, sorry, in leading the Mariners in saves. Um, but that's another guy that you want to see pitch well so that you can trade him for something um, in the future. He had a down year last year, uh, but in 2017 he was really good. 2-3-3 mm-hmm. ERA, 
Um, he had 91 strikeouts in 77 innings. He only walked 2.6 guys per nine, uh, a 1.03 whip. That's a guy who can get you something if he pitches well. Um, when he was traded in 2016, he got the uh, he got the White Sox Ryan Cordell, who is a fourth outfielder at the big league level with some really good minor league numbers. He could get you a he could get you a Mitch Haniger type of lottery ticket um, if he pitches well. So Swarzak is back. Um, how long until he's the closer? I don't know. I don't know if they stick with a committee or all that stuff. But there's some reinforcements right there. Anthony Swarzak is a uh, is a uh, veteran reliever who has a uh, decent track record of success, including um, a couple of years. Granted, they're a little spread out of mm. being like really good so um Swarzak's back a little bit of break so, news there. I, I i looked up uh ryan cordell just now mm-hmm. so he had he has one plate appearance all year he hit a home run in that in that plate appearance which equates for a wrc plus of wait for it 1442 <laughs> so uh yeah uh that's that's you know that's clearly going to stay, but uh, <laughs> I just I just thought you know pulling that up, seeing those numbers was a uh, pretty uh, pretty interesting. <laughs> oh, totally. By the way, uh, Cordell as a minor league minor leaguer when he was traded um, for Anthony Swarzak in the Milwaukee system at the AAA level, he was hitting um, 284, 349, 506. So uh, with average to better defense in a corner. Um, and eh, pretty good wheels. Um, so that's the kind of guy Swarzak can potentially get you. So, yeah. And that's, you know, and that's kind of the, the type of player that a lot of these veterans are, are probably going to nab you. Right. You know, they're, it's either that or the 17 year old who in four years might be a, a good mm-hmm. reliever or maybe a starter if you're lucky. Yeah. So there, um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of different packages that you could look at. You know, someone like Jay Bruce could maybe nab you something like the Mariners gave Mariners gave up for Adam Lind a few years ago. Um, one of those kind of packages, uh, right? And Freddie Peralta it, turned out to be a pretty uh, solid major league piece. So yeah, yeah. So you never know, but it's uh, yeah. But we were talking about Vogel back and kind of got off track here. Um, just going back to Vogelback real quick. It, I really hope that they uh, that they start him tonight. You know, it, it's been what now three days since he played, or two days. He played Sunday, right? Yeah, he started. Okay, on Sunday. so so it's only been it's only been one game, but still, the limited plate appearances over the last you know week, all or even you know dating back to to Japan. It, it, like Colby said, you just you can't <laughs> you can't expect him to you know hit at a high level just giving him pitch hit opportunities and starting him every fifth day. It's just not gonna it's just not gonna happen. And he gives you no defensive value. He gives you no base running value, which is which is fine because there are many valuable players who don't do that for teams. Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is a fantastic example of that. Nelson Cruz is a, is a great baseball player, but 
Dan, you, you, and and I'm sure someone's going to be like, well, they just compared him to Nelson Cruz. No, shut up. <laughs> like, it's just uh, Vogelback needs consistent playing time. That's obvious, but I really just don't understand why the Mariners are not giving it to him. And I really, again, I fear that they're not going to give him these opportunities, and they're just going to let him walk for nothing. Right. They're basically asking Vogelback to master a skill while getting 10% of the time to practice it that everybody else gets. You can't, you, you can have be the best BP hitter in the world, but everything changes once the opponent is wearing a different cap. You can't, you can't just roll out of bed and hit. That's not how it works. Not anymore. You have to be able to, to give this guy a chance to fail or succeed. Right now, they're putting him in a position to fail exclusively. And not surprisingly, based on 153 plate appearances, so far he's failed. It's yeah. not surprising. Yeah. And look, like when I was a kid playing baseball, and I know this is a horrible, horrible comparison, but still, when I was a kid playing baseball, I used to crush pitching in, in our in our like simulated games that we would do in practice. Once again, mm-hmm. I remember my first game of the year, I struck out four times <laughs> after I was just destroying the baseball just against it's it's that level of comfortability and and all it's getting to see actual real pitching, competitive pitching, you know, when it matters. It's it's not it's not the same as just taking BP and launching bombs into the and in, into the stands. That's not, you know, like you said, that's not proper practice. That's not proper uh development for a for a hitter it's you have to see game action and you can't send him anywhere else to to see game action you have to have him at at this level because he's out of options and he needs the he needs he needs the exposure he needs the exposure and i really do believe that if he gets the exposure he will start to hit he every level of of minor league baseball he has absolutely destroyed he hasn't just done well he has destroyed it <laughs> he's putting you know he's putting up numbers that are you know or he put up numbers in AAA that are fairly similar to to someone like Eloy Jimenez right you know and it's and so that's <laughs> you can't just ignore that and the fact that he struggled in his 153 plate appearances, again, like that's over the course of three years. That's not just one season. That's not consistent playing time. That's you know constantly being called up and you know sent back down. That's it's it's been such a, a confusing situation for 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 him. And and I, I I can't blame him for struggling. He's gone through a lot since he's been traded here. Yeah, you have to you just you have to play him. You don't have a choice. It's just I don't know. The it is the job of the franchise to put their players in the best position to succeed, and the Mariners have failed miserably giving that opportunity to Daniel Vogelback. Um, so unless there's some kind of attitude problem, or you know there's some kind of conditioning thing or an injury we're not aware of, this is just one of the few complaints to have after a six and one start. So 
Um, we'll continue to look through that and see how uh, how Vogelback gets gets his playing time in the coming days. Um, but now we are going to call that an episode. Uh, if you guys are interested, we are about to go ahead and rank our uh, our top twenty uh, movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But for Mariners fans, this is where we say goodbye. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, make sure you visit the website, sotomojo.com. You can find us on Twitter at sotomojofs. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. But again, thank you guys so much for listening. Go Mariners, and we will see you in another life. Peace.